This is The Five of My Life with me, Nigel Marsh. The series where I talk to notable people about five of their defining things. The way it works is my guests always choose a favourite film, book, song, place and possession. They tell me their choices in advance so I can research them, but they don't tell me why they've chosen them. That's the subject of our conversation. The reason I devised this series is I wanted to create a slightly different way to gain an insight into the real lives and thoughts of prominent people. Ted Richards is a former professional Australian rules footballer who represented Essendon and the Sydney Swans. His stellar career involved over 250 games, one of the many highlights including being an integral part of the Swans' grand final win in 2012. Retiring from professional sport in 2016, Richards seamlessly made the often difficult transition away from sport to build a successful career in the finance industry. Fascinated by the automated investment sector, Richards is currently leading the charge as Director of Business Development for the Melbourne-based firm Sixpark. Mate, so tell me, what has been your favourite Five of My Life uh, story so far? Um, it was Rabbi Kamen's, and I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I came across years that I think it, it automatically clicked in, because it's not something that I would normally play. And it, it just got so existential about religion, faith, and whether or not you need to have a faith to do good things to, to people. And I don't know, I, I got a lot of life lessons out of it that I'll take away. Oh, good. Are you religious yourself? Yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a Catholic family, no longer, you know, practicing going to church every week, but I still identify as, uh, as Catholic. And um, it, was, it was great to hear his perspective um, from his religion. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, so you've got a good hedge. My, my wife is Catholic and mm. uh, yeah, lapsed. But you go, yeah. But when it comes when it comes to it, you've got the ticket just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we're starting with your film, which is what we traditionally do, uh, and you've chosen the nineteen seventy seven uh, blockbuster Star Wars. Tell me about that, mate. Why have you chosen that? Yeah, it's it's pro- possibly the trilogy too. But uh, for as long as I can remember, what Dad told us kids is how he met mum was that dad used to be an X-wing fighter pilot and he was flying around the galaxy and on this faraway planet, far, far away as the, uh, as the story goes, um, he, he came across, he came across a lady um, who had no energy from, from memory. She was in the gutter or something like that. And dad parked his X-wing fighter pilot and got down fed her up with some vegetables, gave her some energy, and the couple ended up um, uh, falling in love and he brought her back to earth. And that is how I remember <laughs> mum and dad <laughs> met. So I'd always watch this movie thinking that's dad. You know, like dad, dad was, you know, do, and so I, it just had this kind of soft place in my heart as to kind of my childhood and I found the all four answers of of the five questions really easy. The one that I was a bit unsure about is the movie. This one, I asked my wife what what she thought, and she said, Star Wars, straight away. And I was like, why do you say that? And she goes, your family is just obsessed with Star Wars. And for me, I I take that as normal, that that's that's how I grew up. We we all have Yoda quotes. We all talk about bloody (laughs) Obi-Wan and... She just reminds me that's not normal. And so, <laughs> so um, uh, we we can talk about you know Star Wars that that first episode or episode four whatever it is. But 
yeah, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi are um, equally um, memorable for me for, for different reasons. So tell me about your dad. He sounds a lovely fella. That's yeah, a, a... yeah, yeah. He's, he's a character. He really is a character. Um, he's a hero. But, um, you know, to, at, <laughs> to, to tell your kids That's that and, and, and be able to... <laughs> Make us believe it too. So um, I've, I've that's dad's legacy, and I've got to create my own now. I've got two kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and it's not right if I tell um, my kids a, a real story about how I met mum, so uh, met my wife. What, what's your philosophy on the Santa lie? That really conflicted me. Oh, that, that, that's a that's a fantastic white lie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and so you're one of five. Yep. Um, so tell me about your childhood. What what is that like being? And where do you fit in the order? Yeah, so I'm I'm second of second of five, and it, yeah, it was just mayhem. Um, uh, mum, mum had a. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. Mum had her tubes tied after uh, four, and got pregnant again, which is apparently is like a one in a hundred thousand chance or something like that. And so uh, my younger brother uh, was born when I was like ten, and. Um, so I won't say that, like, we were, you know, by no means parents, but, you know, when you're like, you know, 13, 14, you've got a three-year-old, it comes, you know, you start to have some responsibilities and things like that. So I, it was just fun. It was fun to grow up in. Um, we had a footy team in the backyard. It was great. It was great fun. And and, and do you think that uh, had an impact on the sort of the player that you became because you there's so much rough and tumble or whatever or... Oh, I'm not sure. Um, I grew up in a, you know, grew up in Melbourne, so grew up in a pretty footy obsessed family. But at the same time, two brothers, two sisters, we all had varying different interests in in um, all parts of life. So uh, I think it was just a a well balanced childhood. Fantastic. Well, so you've chosen a blockbuster for your film, and you're sticking with the blockbuster theme for your book because we are moving from one of the most successful films of all time to one of the most successful business books of all time. You've chosen Jim Collins's 2001 Good to Great. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I read it at the time. It was 2010. Back then I was about 27 years old. And I was at the real low point of my football career. I thought I was out of contract at the end of the year. I was halfway through the season. Um, I was... I thought that I was probably, footy was going to be done with me and that I wouldn't be offered another contract as I was playing reserves. And um, there was a player that got injured, so I just fortuitously got a, got another chance and, and finished off the year on a good enough level that that offered me another one-year deal. And um, at the end of the season, I just did a bit of reflecting, and I don't know why, but I read this book, and it just resonated for me so much. It really just planted the seed of, where to or where I was going to take my career from here. And um, because going back three months ago, I thought I was moving to Sweden at the end of the year. My older brother was living over there. I'd looked into doing um, a master's over there and um, I'd even um, applied, started to apply for a scholarship over there. And um, I read the book, it planted a seed. I um, What really resonated was this metaphor, this Greek parable, which listeners may be aware of, of the hedgehog and the fox. Could you explain for the person? Yeah, sure. So um, the, in, the, in this analogy, the fox is good at everything, whereas the hedgehog is good at only one thing. And in life, many people, myself included at the time, 
Try and be the fox. Try and be good at everything. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, if that is your strategy in business, you'll be average. And um, good is the enemy of great, as the as the as Jim says. And um, um, you don't want to be average. So I decided. Well, I wasn't going to be the the fox anymore. I was going to be the hedgehog and the good at one thing. And that means that instead of trying to be someone that could just play any position in the game of football and be useful like that, um, I'm just going to decide here right now, I'm going to be the best defender in the competition, which is a pretty embarrassing thing to say at the time when you're playing reserve football. But that was a decision I made. I wrote it down, stuck it on the wall, worked on my self-talk. And, and the book, there was also other life skills and messages that I, I, I brought out from it about the importance of discipline. Not that I wasn't disciplined, but you know, really controlling that mind and, and looking at who I wanted to be, how I'm going to be that, and being disciplined with that plan. And um, he's he's got a knack for making the complex simple. And um, I I was just so grateful because um, I went from very quickly that position where I thought I was done, I was going to be sacked, into um, offered a, a two year contract at the end of t- the the next year, and then being selected in the All-Australian team. And um, uh, I was so grateful that um, recently I reached out to Jim. I wrote him a message to thank him. And um, he actually got back to me and um, sent me a signed copy of his book and and had a, and sent me an audio message. And um, another reason why I love the book is it's a life skill that was valuable to my football, but it's I'm I'm going to take that to the next my next career where I'm at where I'm at right now in investment management and um, applying that because just you know focusing on that one important thing um, I'm, I'm now investment management with Six Park it's so important instead of trying to be everything to everyone uh, uh, it's amazing that a book could have had such this is what this podcast is about you know the things the defining things in your life where a book can have had such an impact on your life and for that author to get the message people make the mistake i mean i've written a couple of books and if someone says something nice to me it makes me a bloody day for him to get that message i've listened to the message that he sent you and, and i'm actually not surprised because you, you you know people might think oh gosh he's famous why would he be bothering to write to that australian no 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 he would have loved it and he would have meant that message that he left you that would have been genuine he would genuinely think, you know, that's a, that's a connection soul to soul. But I have to ask you a challenging question yep. as, as a financier. Okay. Right. Is, is how, how do you respond? What's your view to the fact that the 11 companies he chose in that book have, since publication, have underperformed the S&P 500? Yeah. And um, I think that that's why the following books are built to last, um, How the Mighty Fall. Right. Because there are so many stories, and so there's 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 that narrative which um, Jim goes out to talk about. And oh, does he talk about the fact? Yeah, that they, oh, yeah. Okay. And because a lot of them. Um, I think the book was written back two thousand and one. Um, yeah, and um, so well before the financial crisis that hit in two thousand and seven, and a lot of them were banks. Like um, I think Wells Fargo might have been one of them, and um, and airlines. So which were hit hard, and. So Jim's now apparently doing some some follow up work, and I, I think what is interesting is it reinforces how hard it is to pick stocks, to pick businesses, yeah. resilient businesses that are always going to be good because 
um, their organic things change, um, decisions change, people change. And um, just because it might have been a good business or a good investment a few years ago doesn't mean that uh, it's always going to be. And I think it's there's quite a profound message in there because seeing you, you know, your energy, you light up when you talk about that book and the genuine effect it had in your life and you're a success and you've made a very difficult transition from sport to business that many people can't do. So the advice for me isn't invalidated even if all 11 companies went in receivership, even if it's, dis- it's discovered that Jim is a crook. It doesn't matter because how it worked for you, I mean, he's not a crook, I mean, he's yeah, a crook, yeah, yeah. but it, how it worked for you is I'm, I'm looking at you now, mate, and you're a success and partly you're a success is because of that advice. So it's just fascinating, a bit like art, when you look at a painting and someone tells you that the bloke who painted it, we now discovered was horrible. Well, yeah, but the painting's still good. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think you're exactly right, and um, we're not all, none of us are immune to hubris, and, yes. that, and that you can be successful, and, and unless you stay disciplined, hubris can quickly kick in. Hubris is the perfect link to your next choice because we are actually going to stay with the theme of greatness. So you have chosen uh, a song that Rolling Stone magazine ranked as the twenty-first best song ever written in humanity. Okay. I didn't know this. I did not know this. <laughs> it, it, they've got a list of the, of the top 500 songs ever uh, published. And, and uh, Bruce Springsteen's third album uh, that was entitled Born to Run had Born to Run on it. And that is your choice, mate. So tell uh, everyone about that. Before my wife and I, we had our, um, our firstborn, our, our son, Bo. Um, my wife at the time, she had um, placenta previa, so um, was booked in for a caesarean. And we're, we're at the hospital, and uh, just as Ella's about to uh, to go into to theatre, um, the obstetrician says to me, um, "Have you got the playlist ready?" And I was like, "What a weird thing to say! What, what, what a weird thing to say!" And um, to no, I don't have a playlist because I think I only had one playlist on my phone, um, on my Spotify playlist, which was Game Day, which is definitely not something that I want or Ella would be, my wife would be interested in too, nor the, uh, the medical team. And um, so I was like, oh, I've got to quickly put together a playlist. And um, in hindsight, it might have been something, a, a little tool that the obstetrician uses to distract what otherwise could be a... I don't know, a, a nervous husband and, and more of a, a hassle than a, um, a value to the, being in the room. But so I just sat there and with no method, I, I clicked on, you know, just songs that I, I liked and I wanted to rush and get this done and plugged it into the auxiliary connection of, I don't know why they had the speaker system in the, in the, in the room and, um, uh, you know, and then then the blur kind of starts of, of my wife, um, the cesarean be- beginning, and and me about to, uh, um, I guess welcome. We knew that uh, we're, we're having a boy of welcoming my, my our son into the into the world. And as he was entering the world, um, and I very quickly realised he's a he's he's a healthy baby, and and the exhilaration and exuberance of, of that, I've gone. I was born to run by Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> and I was always, I always loved the song, but not so much that you know I, I'd call it my favourite song of all time. But um, but now it is like I, it, it means so so much to me, and um, uh, you know, it was probably a, a few months after that I've gone, no, I'm I'm going to add this to my game day playlist because 
as a little reminder as to why I play the game, why I do what I do. Is so, um, so, and every now and then, because it is the as what you said, the twenty first best song of all time according to Rolling Stone, it gets played a bit, and oh, it's it just warms my heart when I hear it. Oh, that's just, it's just lovely to to hear you uh, to hear you tell that story. How forever in a day that's going to mean that to you. Whenever you hear that, it will take you back to that. Yeah. How uh, did you cope with? being a new dad, but both as a dad and as a couple and as a husband? Uh, yeah, like you, like everyone, you, you, you learn on the go. Yeah, um, I think I did as much preparation as I could and then you quickly realise that only gets you so far. Um, the preparation that I took to put um, Bo in the baby seat for the first time, I think I drove... 20 k's an hour you know home from the hospital and my wife and I we get home and we go you know all right it's just us now you know <laughs> um but yeah like um I'm, yeah learning as I go but at the same time I love it we've now got a a, a baby girl poppy as well and um you know you never stop learning it's like, it's like so many things in life that I'm aware Possibly the more the more I think I'm, I know, the more I'm aware that I don't know. There's a wonderful boxing phrase, which is, uh, no plan survives being punched yes. in the face. <laughs> you go, hold on, why is he not sleeping? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could probably uh, tweak that a bit. and you, yeah, like Every now and then you're changing a nappy and you, you get pissed on. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. back to the song itself, is that, is that song obviously is about breaking out and escaping the narrative, the lyrics he's writing to Wendy, his girlfriend. Is, is that something that has sort of driven you in your career, do you think, Try, trying to get away from something, a, a location or a, or a tradition or whatever? No, no. I've, I probably should at some stage actually sit down and, and take into account what boss uh, was, was writing it for as opposed to just what it means to me now, but... Uh, well, no, 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 don't, because yeah. that, that might spoil it. Yeah, true. It'll, yeah. it'll anchor me and um, uh, give me a, a different perspective on, on what it means to me right now. But no, 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 I I played football um, because of the, the passion that it was. I tried for the for as much of my can, I can of, or I could of my football career to keep it that. Unfortunately, from time to time, it, it becomes your job and just a job. But um, if you can keep that that passion and that, and that burning excitement, it makes it far more enjoyable. I'm going to give you... Have you seen Blinded by the Light, by the way, the film? No. Okay, so the recommendation for you and Ella, your wife yeah, Ella. Yeah. yeah, so it's about uh, an Asian Springsteen fan in 1987 <laughs> in Luton, England. So uh, date night, guarantee you'll thank me. Okay. okay. But another, another sort of piece of information about that song, because I've researched you and researched all your choices... And the, something I found out about Sweet, I had no idea, is until that album, he was a failure. He was a cult figure. They had promoted heavily his first two albums, and it hadn't worked. And he'd never had a top 40 hit. And when he released Born to Run, it got into the top 40. It was first ever top 40 hit. And he was within two weeks on the front cover of both Time and Newsweek and went from being an indie cult figure to an intergalactic star for the rest of his career. So it was transformative, which makes me want to ask, what are the transformative uh, events or milestones in your career? 
Well, in my football career, uh, it won't. It would be the time when I was by myself in 2010, reading that book. When I'd read the book, sorry, putting uh, put, after your confidence day. Yeah, yeah, and putting pen to paper, and and saying, "This is who I'm going to be. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I am, and I'm going to do it every week." Making some physical changes and making some mental changes. Um, that that would be one. Um, but I'm I'm also aware that most overnight successes are 20 years in the making and that um, I've, you know, with my football career and playing the premiership in 2012 and getting All-Australian that year, was it that moment in 2010 or, or was it the sacrifices that I started making when I was 14 and um, with mates starting to go out that that helped um, take that moment? But... So, and then also the career that I'm in right now, um, uh, I'm loving what I do in, with the business I'm involved in, but at the same time, oh, I went to uni for 15 years straight, um, all started back in 2001, making sacrifices to go at night and things like that. So, It's such an inspirational story. Have, have you kept the thing that you wrote down? after reading Good to Great, when your confidence was low, you go, right, this is the bloke I'm going to be. I'm going to be the best defender. I'm going to... Oh, I've, 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 I wrote a lot down from the book, but one, I've, I've got to, I put a few things on the wall and one of which was this quote that I slightly tweaked. Um, and apologies if I get this incorrect because I'm, 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 I'm trying to remember it here. But uh, it is, whether you prevail or fail, endure or die, matters more what you do yourself than what the world does to you. Wow, and that was important to me because at the time, I was—I think I was pretty resilient. But from time to time, I'd say things like I was unlucky with selection, or I was unlucky here, I was unlucky here, and that—that were external things. And I was—and that gave me focus to say, no, 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 it's not about I was unlucky there. It's about what I'm doing, and just bringing it back to to my own actions and my own thoughts, um, and. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a, a long way of answering that. That really resonates with me. There's there's something that upsets me about sporting coaches. It's it seems to me how wonderful it would be if you were a coach of any team in any code, AFL, soccer, rugby, doesn't matter. If you've been dudded by the referee and and you know someone's been sent off or you know tries been disallowed or whatever else and you, and the bloke shoves a microphone in your face and you say congratulations to Essendon, they played great. And they'll be thinking, no, hold on, aren't you going to whinge about the referee? No, 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 congratulations. What about the referee call? Oh, yeah, those are the breaks. You know, you know, yeah. Please don't go to the easy, lazy, oh, my God, the referees. These I mean, have a chat about it afterwards, you know, behind closed doors. But, you know, it's delusional because my son is a rugby referee. And you go, well, if we were to change that bad decision that you didn't like, can we also change some other ones? Oh no! You're just selectively choosing that one thing. It, it, you know, just I, I love your philosophy. It's not about that. You can choose in life to blame everybody else, and oh dear me, or just get on with it and control the things that you can control. You're exactly right. In in AFL, a game of football goes for two hours, four thirty minute quarters, and if you think you can pass the buck to a referee for one decision that cost you the game, then I think you're, you're delusional that the other 179 minutes 
had no impact. Yeah. Um, Michael Lewis has got a great podcast on, on, on the, the role that referees play in different parts of our life, including sporting teams. And um, I think it's a great reminder of, of how embarrassing it is from role models can yeah. and, and how they treat referees. Choices have, I'm not sure if you, if you were aware of this, they've got an American theme. It's an American film, it's an American book, it's an American song, and stone me, we come to your place, and it, you've chosen New York. So I don't know what it is with you in America, mate, but tell me about New York. Well, if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't um, uh, good to great, it would have been Legacy. Um, I'm not sure who wrote Legacy, but it was a book about the All Blacks and their culture. But um, So they were a bit of a Kiwi flavour, but New York... Is a special place to, to me. I proposed to my wife there. Uh, it was New Year's Eve uh, in Central Park, and if I stop the story there, it sounds it, 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 it sounds better than uh, better than it is because um, I wanted to pro- propose to her in Central Park in New York, and um, we we went to a Broadway show, and I thought after the Broadway show, well, which what, one did you see? Um, uh, What's, not, what's the um? Not Mormon, but Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book, no. of, Book of Mormon. How Book good of, is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, Book of Mormon. Yeah, that's a dig way over. <laughs> and it was a um, it was a matinee, so it was a midday show. And I thought after the show, we'll just walk up to Central Park and and um, um, watch the show. I forgot at that time of year, it's pitch black at four, but I had this plan. I had the ring on me and everything <laughs> like that. And I was like, New Year's Eve, and we're in New York. We're doing this. So, my wife's like. Ted, I'm like, why are we walking to the park? It's dark. Um, I re- read a, yeah, a few days ago about someone being robbed in here and I was like, no, no, it's a little bit further, a little bit further and it's freezing <laughs> cold. And in the end, um, I did it and, um, uh, you know, she, she said yes and we had this we had this great moment. So that that's 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 one reason. That, and, and was it a surprise? Did, did, did yes. she know that you were going to do it or...? Uh, she didn't know. She didn't know. It was a surprise. It was even more of a surprise when... It was so dark she couldn't actually see what I was trying, <laughs> what I had in the box. <laughs> um, so, America, film, book, song, place. We're going to move away from America to Denmark. Not actually Denmark, but a Danish armchair that is apparently in your Melbourne home. I need to hear the story behind that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, describe it for what is a Danish? Is that the one with the wooden arms? What is a Danish armchair? Yeah. So um, it's. It's 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 nothing. It's no Jason Lazy Boy. It's just a, it's a very nice, very nice chair. But it, um, the story behind it is at the end of t- t- uh, we won the premiership in two thousand and twelve. Probably half the team were out getting tattoos on their legs. So, so can I stop you there? So, yeah. so, so for any of our listeners who aren't AFL nuts, yep. could you tell me the narrative of uh, the two thousand and twelve premiership? Because that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, we we were an underdog. We're a young emerging team. Uh, our coach was just in the second year of, of his uh, senior coaching career. We we weren't a high profile team. Um, we, people were surprised to see that we finished fourth, um, as high up as that, and thought, well, they've outperformed. And when the finals started, we just kept on winning. And won into state, made our way through to the grand final, um, and we were playing Hawthorne, who at the time were the, the superpower of the of the competition. They'd probably won two or three out of the, the, the last few um, grand finals. And we went in as underdog and it was this arm wrestle all game. And I think 
many people, many neutrals, were probably just waiting for Hawthorne to pull away. And um, the game was won with about a minute or two to go by a teammate that kicked a freakish goal and, um, you know, the highlight of my football career. And um, you to to be able to ex- experience the exhilaration of, of what that comes with because I'd I definitely I did um I'd lost one before in back in 2006 and yeah in the the mayhem of the the celebrations uh, there was a portion of the team that thought it was a good idea to go out and get premiership tattoos and <laughs> I'm not a tattoo person but I'm I'm fine if pe- people do but I was like oh, I do want something to mark the occasion and I do want something that I don't know is isn't going to be like a is uh, is going to age well it's not going to be um, superseded by technology or something like that, and I, I do. I thought, well, I want to buy something that could potentially be passed on, and I don't, I've got no idea if I'm going to have boys or girls. So I was like, I'm going to buy myself a nice armchair, and I'd, I'd always probably a bit of a different football. I, I'd always like Scandinavian design, and and um, I, I went into a Danish design furniture store and picked up a. Um, Nina Ditzel N80, ND83 chair and got it made up over in Copenhagen and sent back. And I, it's now my, I call it my premiership chair. It sits proudly at home. And um, Is anyone else allowed to yeah, sit yeah, in yeah, it? Yeah, any, yeah, anyone's allowed to sit in it. That's the whole point. It, it's something that can be shared. Whereas, you know, the premiership medal's important, everything like that. But, you know, what do you do with a premiership medal? Like, pass it around? So yeah. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a talking point. And, at some stage, I want to get one of the legs of the chair engraved, like my teammates did with their tattoos, because uh, I think there's a there's a bit of a funny connection there. But that's that's my favourite object. I, um, I, I I love that story. Um, if I was to push you on the biggest lesson or lessons from your successful sporting career to your successful finance career with Six Park, is I mean, have there been any? Is it just a coincidence? Is it all the study that you did, or is it? Um, Oh, teamwork or whatever. Oh, there's there's so there's so much, and 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 I I got, have a little scrapbook there where I, I write things down, and I, I I tell the young kids that I think it is important to to write the the life lessons down because you need to draw upon them when you're going through the hard times. But there are life skills that I'll I'll take into my next career of hard work, attention to detail, resilience, and um is another important one, but. It, I've also got lessons from, I've gone from football, professional sport into investment management, and they are two polar opposite industries, but at the same time, they're two of the most competitive industries in the world where you are measured in football with your performance week to week. And um, some talk like it's going through an AGM every week, you know, and, and whereas investment management, you're kind of go, you're getting measured every day to benchmarks and, and things like that. And um, so I'm now involved with Six Park and I love what I do. Uh, and I draw, like it, people think, how can you draw life skills and lessons from football? But I do. And um, so um, I guess I guess they're the, the life skills. That I, I, I have just adored this conversation, Matt. You have been so mm. open and, and genuine. Who would you like to hear on um, Five of My Life next? You, you enjoyed the, the Rabbi Kamen's one in particular um i'm sure everyone's going to love this conversation but who would you like to hear next the guy that i'd like to hear from is uh also a former afl player that's it's moved into um 
the business world. And he's Nick Stone. I um, recently spoke with him on a, on a podcast episode, and, and Nick is really at the forefront of the hospitality industry in um, um, the cafe industry in the States and is a fascinating person for how he was able to, I guess, go from football into growing a cafe empire and um, where I think Nick's now in the vicinity of 80 cafes in the States um, and he's a former investment banker and he was... He's just had a lot going on and is, is a fascinating person. And he, he um, so I think uh, I've, I've obviously had a podcast episode with him and, and I, I learn a lot. But at the same time, I, I think um, I, you'd like I, to hear his five. Yeah, yeah. So, so Nick sounds fascinating. And what we're doing, thank you for that choice, is we are building up a lovely tradition of actually we follow these people up. And we've now done three of the guests that other people, you know, recommend that I wouldn't naturally have thought of interviewing Nick Stone, but I'll be. Uh, on the phone to him this afternoon. Uh, Ted, you are an absolute dead set legend, mate. Very inspirational, very genuine and open. Thank you so much for sharing your five. Thanks very much, Nigel. The Five of My Life was presented by me, Nigel Marsh. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Sound production and theme music by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nicholish. 